I had a really, really freaky uh, coincidence earlier okay. today. Yeah. Okay. So I was, I just finished reading uh, The Cabin at the End of the World, which is the uh, the basis of the new M. Night Shyamalan movie, Knock at the Cabin. Okay. Uh, I would I would say book, book, book edges it out a little bit. They're very different, which I don't know. Doesn't mean one's better than the other, but they're just different. Uh, but anyway, in uh, in the book, there's a chapter. Uh, so it's like a, it's about two, two uh, a married gay couple and their adopted daughter. And there's like a chapter that starts and it's talking about their daughter. And there's just like an episode of Adventure Time playing on the TV. But he <laughs> references what's happening in the episode of Adventure Time. And he's like, in this episode, Lumpy Space Princess is upset because someone knocked over her can of beans. Aww. And that's that's the only bit. But And Chloe's a big Adventure Time fan, so I was like, oh, huh, isn't this funny? They reference it. Do you know this episode? And then I said, I guarantee you, the next time we go to watch Adventure Time, that's going to be the episode that we like left off on, like we're about to watch. And this has happened to us before, where we'll watch something where something else has like referenced it and then we and then like that episode comes on or that episode references the same thing without fail we watched adventure time this morning (laughs) and that was like the next episode that was up spooky we i paused it i was like are you kidding me right now like what (laughs) i don't know i don't know i don't know if you guys have experienced any sort of weirdo coincidences like that but like it, it it happens quite frequently with us where reading about something or watching something or even like hearing about something and then something that we're watching will reference it. That, that last thing will happen to me for sure. Like I'll discover a new song or something like that. And then I'll start hearing it everywhere Uh or, or yeah, hear about a book or something like that and hear that pop up. I think there actually is for that specifically, there is some sort of like phenomenon, like like a a name name for for that. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know what, but there is a name f- for that specifically, but uh the other stuff, I don't know. I don't know if that's ever happened sp- to me like you know, reference and then that's like the next thing that I was watching or whatever, but yeah, it's yeah. I don't know how it happens, but it's so strange. It's pretty spooky. Yeah. And that and that's the shit that people go towards where you know, like prove that we're like living in the matrix or oh. something like that. Some <laughs> yeah, shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> simulation man (laughs) yeah (laughs) i've had like dreams that happened in real life sometimes yeah i'm talking about but like the dream happened before the real life event happened otherwise i would just be dreaming about something that happened yeah (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) yeah well it's like I've, i've had dreams that have like coincided with external factors whoa like, I think I told that story on the podcast a, f- a while ago now, but I had a dream that there was, like, someone in our house. And oh, right. I, like, yeah. went to grab a kitchen knife. And I was, like, going down the hallway. And I was running, and the figure came out. And as soon as I, like, went to stab the figure in the dream, Chloe, like, shook me awake. You were stabbing her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm, like, oh, covered in blood. <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, it's like, you know, when lightning strikes in a dream and lightning strikes in real life, like, how mm-hmm. does your brain 
perceive those things to like yeah. make that all happen. Shit is crazy. Yeah. Crazy things, brains. Simulation. Simulation. Shoot him in the brains. <laughs> <laughs> that that reminds me of a movie that I watched. <laughs> uh, welcome back to There Will Be Duds. This is episode 96 of There Will Be Duds. And I am your co-host, TJ, a.k.a. J-Spot Jack Cheese. And with me as always... As always, I am Nick, a.k.a. Dr. Funk on Twitch, and with me, as always... As always, I am Tommy, a.k.a. Moose, from the game. And as always... Huh? I was going to say, what's the rumpus, guys? What is the Uh, rumpus? (laughs) What's the rumpus? (laughs) Uh, And as always, we watched a movie. That movie this week being Miller's Crossing from 1990, directed by the Coen brothers. It follows Tom... A, a heavy and enforcer for the Irish mob. He is he gets kind of tangled in this this situation where uh, the rival gang wants to take out the brother of the mob boss's girlfriend, who Tom is also seeing behind the mob boss's back. <laughs> um, but the mob boss is like, no, he's got my protection because he's, you know, my my girlfriend's brother or whatever. But then uh, Tom kind of weasels, he gets in the hot water with him and then he's kind of weasels his way into the Italian mob and then uh, sort of a roundabout way kind of like whittles down the Irish mob from the inside kind of and also some of the Irish, or the Italian mob. I don't know. There's a lot of like, it's, you got it. That's pretty much it. Uh, that's Miller's Crossing. Uh, what'd you guys think? <laughs> lots of double crosses, lots of like love triangles, but also maybe hate triangles. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. Since this is a prohibition era movie, I, uh, oh. I, mean, I have oh. a little, got a little whiskey. Smart. Yeah. Smart. <laughs> uh, so I feel like I'm the resident Coen Brothers enjoyer of the podcast. I think I more or less am pretty stoked on them. Like mm-hmm. this movie too, but I, above above mid for me. Not to not to bury the lead a little bit, but some stuff I really liked. Some stuff I was like a little meh about. The performances I think yeah. were really. They're Coen Brothers characters, and I tend to like Coen Brothers characters a lot. Sure, their their stories are always populated by those types of like character actors that you like. Oh yeah, I've seen that guy in something. He they mm-hmm. they are like yeah. chock full of them. And yeah. so uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I think the Dane is probably one of my favorite like Coen Brothers villains, kind of up there uh-huh. with like he's like an Anton Chigurh figure almost from like No it's Country. Very cold and yeah collected yeah yeah i uh, had a had yeah. a good time with it though i'm curious what you thought about it moose i had a i had a blast i was okay. like oh I, I loved the way that they talked to each other very mm-hmm. like um like very a lot of witty banter happened in this movie yeah and i and i love i love some some banter that is witty <laughs> there was a a, a, char- a death uh the the rug character died yeah and I, the first good laugh was when the little kid is just staring at the body and he 
takes his yeah. toupee and runs, <laughs> which is so funny because that moment has like rippling effects. Yeah, where they're like, yeah. well, yeah, they, they took his hair. Like, oh, yeah. those, those sons of bitches! Oh, those bastards! <laughs> they took his hair. Yeah. But I, I just loved the way that, like, I think, is it Leo? I think Leo tells Tom, "Rug's dead," and he's like, "Ah, rip!" <laughs> like, like <laughs> rug rip. It's just it's almost it's yeah. almost like a play on words, but it's just very, uh, very cold and calculating and callous, but still being very witty and and, and funny. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I feel like I more or less am in line with like Nick how I felt about it. Um, I did like the characters. Like I said, like they've always got like a good, interesting cast of characters. They they always have their snappy Cohen dialogue, which. Moose, if you haven't seen any of their stuff before and you really like how everyone talks, I'd check out anything else by them pretty much. Because right. um, they, they, they are very, uh, they do have a very unique style mm-hmm. of, of writing dialogue. The standouts for me, I, I loved John Turturro. He's, he's always Bernie. a fun, yeah, Bernie, Bernie Birnbaum, mm-hmm. which is kind of like what we call our cat Bernard because we just call him like Bernie Bum Bum Burn Burn. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was great, like playing that typical like weaselly John Turturro so character slimy. that he does so well. Uh-huh. Um, and then, uh, but I think my favorite was uh, Albert Finney as Leo, just because he's one of those guys that I just love seeing in anything. He's always he's he's always like just a. He's one of those guys, you know, that just just makes makes everything anything better that he's in. Yeah, I he love the badass really moments. He did, yeah, yeah, he did. I I loved the way that it was sort of set. Like I think if you're watching a movie, you're like, oh, okay, this is the part where his character gets whacked. Like this is a mobster movie. Sure, no one's sacred, really. Like you know, because uh, I, I I was reading the the liner notes of the uh, Criterion version of this movie, and like this movie, Goodfellas and the King of New York all came out in like the same year. So oh, really, kind of like three you know kind of different mob movies, but three like mob, you know yeah yeah sure. pretty like prominent ones that kind of define a genre, if you will. Mm-hmm. But you know, with other mob stuff, it's like no character is really sacred, and like you know you kind of expect, oh yeah, this guy's gonna die off. He's kind of older, you know, it would make sense. But no, he sees that smoke rising through the floor and he kind of he's like, huh, like kind of contemplating it. And then he just grabs his gun, rolls under the bed and blows the dude's shin off and then pops him in the head. And it's like the violence in this. The violence in this movie is in equal parts cartoonish and funny. And then very yep. real and graphic. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly how I felt about it. Because, like, yeah, there was, a, like, that that moment in particular where, yeah, it's very brutal. And yet, like, ten seconds later, he's, he's like, he's, like, unloading that Tommy gun like he's Arnold at the end of fucking Commando. <laughs> like, doesn't have to reload or anything. He just... Holds down the trigger and just lets yeah. fly. And uh, even even like the scene you know. before that, he's like he. Cl- I was like, this dude is spry. He like climbs yeah. out the window yeah, and like yeah. rolls off the roof and then lands on his feet and then just takes the Tommy gun and yeah, walks down mm-hmm. the street and doesn't even flinch at being fired back upon. Yeah, and then he and then he gets a cigar back in his mouth <laughs> yeah. at the very end. <laughs> like, yeah, the it 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 
feels very like serious crime noir where you're like edging more towards something like No Country for Old Men or whatever. And yet you have those moments like that. So where it's like it is kind of like a a middling sort of I mean, like middling between the genres where it's like, you know, not quite fully one way or the other. It kind of dips its toes into both. Which genres are we talking about? Uh, like a crime drama noir and then I guess more of like a I don't want to say like outright comedy but like an action mm. like a more a more silly action kind of thing uh, something like John Wick 4 sure I guess yeah a 1920s John Wick 4 yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean and like for the Coen brothers that's that's kind of their cup of tea these sure. really brutal real violent moments followed by you know, in, in some movies, more more so than others, just like, yeah, very real violence. Like, again, I, I think of uh, uh, Burn After Reading, the very famous uh, Brad Pitt scene, if you know what I'm talking about. I don't want to spoil it for Moose. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it for, for yeah. Moose if he's, if he's in the... Yeah. But there's, yeah even, yeah, even in the movies that are like ostensibly, you know, more or less strict comedies, there's like, yeah, gratuitous violence that happens throughout. So it's... Definitely in their in their wheelhouse. Oh, uh, an, another another great example of like the brutal violence mixing with like the silliness was uh, Sam Raimi's cameo, which was like my favorite moment of the whole movie. Which part was that? Moose, he's he's the guy. He's uh, they like they like bomb this building. There's like all the police yeah, force. Yeah, like, and then the, the guy street. comes out. The guy and gets walks shot. out. He shoots. So Sam Raimi is the guy that shoots him. And then he immediately gets like lit up, <laughs> and I just I I got a kick out of that because I, I like it's focusing on Sam Raimi so much. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that's him. That's his little cameo. And then yeah, he just gets like yeah. obliterated. That was that was really good. Moose Sam Raimi directed like the Evil Dead movies and the yeah, Tobey Maguire movies. The, yeah, okay, I wasn't sure if wasn't sure if you knew who he was or you know, but yeah, I. It was a great cameo. And then f- almost immediately after is the Francis McDormand cameo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, like... And yeah. they have that shot where, like, Gabriel Byrne, like, checks out her... I'm going to use quotation marks here. Ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and I was like, that seems a little weird. Like, it, it felt like... She, since she's just in that little part, it felt a little bit like... Like she's married to one of the one, directors. Which, yeah, which one it is that they like focus? They're like, I'm gonna have this shot of this guy checking out my wife's ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because she's like a lead in uh, Blood Simple, their first movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Which character is she? In, in in this, she's just the she's like the secretary for the mayor. Oh, she's got like okay. the red hair and the yeah yeah really yeah. I no- yeah. I noticed that. I was like, we're paying we're paying a lot of attention to this secretary. Yeah. <laughs> I also, yeah. I, during that scene, I was like, damn, even in 1929, like, the police are super over-militarized. Like, they pull <laughs> yeah. off, like, the cloak off of, like, uh, like a Gatling gun almost, and they're just, like, yeah. lighting yeah. up a storefront. Uh, I I'm, also I'm, liked uh, the Casper character. I thought he yeah. was really yeah, funny. Yeah, the Italian mob boss, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that guy's, just He was another guy who was, like, in a ton of stuff, but... I think he's, you know. like, the private detective in The Big Lebowski that's, like, there's a scene later on when, like, he's been following the dude around, and he finally confronts him, and he's, like, he's, like, ah, oh, I just, I just, I just love your work, man, and he's just, like, get out of here, but he's, he's <laughs> yeah, he's just instantly recognizable as one of those guys, but what was his thing? He's, like, you're not giving me the hi-hat. 
Something yeah. about the hi hat. He, I yeah, loved like I all the remember, like yeah. the 1920s isms. Yeah, there's but a few. Like the dude, the, the, yeah. yeah. Speaking the of those isms, like, I I feel like I feel like I learned a whole lot of more words for Jewish people <laughs> after watching this movie. And Italians. What Guineas, were the what were dagos. the Jewish ones? Because I mean, everything they said about Bernie, but... I just assumed it was because he's Jewish. Is is something he's about Italian. like? No, Bernie. Bern John Turturro's. Oh, John Turturro's Italian, but his character right, is yeah. but supposed character to be yeah. Jewish. Yeah, right. they they call him like a schmetal a lot. It sounds Schmata. like oh, schmata, yeah, schmetal or whatever. That's right. Yeah, I just thought that was just like a. I thought that that was almost just like a, you know how how Jewish people say like oh you you. They called Yuts him a heave or whatever a bunch yeah, of times. Call, oh yeah, that's called him that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the 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 liner notes of the Criterion have a good of a, a good amount of them. Let it drift, dangle. What's the rumpus? What's I'll the, see that was where my the favorite one? I'll see where the twist flops. Don't smart me. Take it on the heel and toe. Jungled up, and uh, yeah, I'm getting sick of the hi hat. <laughs> my a lot of, my a lot favorite ends. Yeah. My my favorite instance was when I, th- I it's something like shortly after Tom switches kind of switches over to the Italian side and then I already forgot his name but the Italian boss guy Casper he's like yeah. he's like oh uh, to the Dane he's like oh you can't you know no more of that you guys are on the same side now and the Dane's like nuts and yeah. that's like <laughs> yeah. I could imagine at the time that's like. Ooh, he oh, just he means business. Nuts. He says yeah. <laughs> he's, he's so tough, and he just goes nuts. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, the Dane had some really good lines. I think my favorite was uh, when he's when they're walking Tom back out to verify the body, and mm-hmm. he's like, "You ever notice how the snappy dialogue stops when uh, when he's like part, soiling yeah. his union trousers or something like that? Basically, just like, yeah, yeah you're a smooth talker for now." Mm-hmm. And again, that was another pretty graphic thing. Mm. The, oh, the the body. the fake yeah. Bernie body. Yeah, it was like his face was blown off, and it was like, oh, it was very Jesus realistic. Christ. That was yeah, that was uh, Steve Buscemi, and I was like, oh, so we only got him for like one scene then. Yeah, like, bummer. Um, I like that uh, Steve Buscemi was kind of talking like a departed character when he when he meets Tom. He's like, yeah, but but uh, you know, I'm talking like this. He, he reminded me of like the, talking uh, so fast. Alec Baldwin. It's like, oh yeah, what are, what are you talking about, health freak? Like he, like that kind <laughs> yeah. of the pacing of that dialogue, right? Like an yeah. auctioneer almost. Yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently, so I read the Wikipedia article for this movie. In the article, I think it says something about the Dane and Mink being lovers. Did you pick up on that? that? I oh. no, I was like, did I miss a lot? I I mean, I guess I must have, because I read that too, and I was like, oh shit, was I like not paying attention to this movie? So I'm glad I'm not the only one who was I, kind of looking there was back. Like, I can see it. Yeah, because he he the Dane came to the Mink's defense like a little too much. Yeah, he is very very like seemingly protective and defensive of, but yeah, I right. did not. And I didn't pick up on we, we any didn't get sort a of romantic of them together either. Yeah, Mm-mm. yeah. No, but that yeah, I don't know. I I wouldn't put it past them to just like you know have it 
mentioned or implied. So I don't know. Maybe it's just something. Yeah. Something I missed. I don't know. And maybe it's just something somebody put on Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Could be that too. Yeah. How'd you guys feel about the whole, because this is a part that was kind of bringing it down for me is because I just didn't really care about it. This, but like the whole, like Marsha Gay Harden's pretty much her character in general, like that relationship and that character. I just wasn't like as interested in that, in the romance aspect of the movie. Um, Are you talking about Verna? Is that who this actress is? Verna. Yeah. I guess the only like prominent female. Yeah. Like part in in the movie i guess um yeah and like i i get why she's there obviously Mm -hmm. like her relation to uh to bernie and all that but you know uh, there was also a lot that was like just her and and uh gabriel burns like relationship and stuff and i just you know it was just ho-hum i guess and yeah i didn't really see the the what what was happening there in that relationship yeah. Other than just the, like they fucked. It, it, it yeah, you know? it was too it was too much of like, oh, I hate you, you rascal, and he's like, <laughs> Come here, toots, and then yeah. they, you know, they make up and then they and wake then she up and she's him. like, Fuck you and yeah, and then like doing that over and over again. So Yeah, yeah. that was that was just kind of a yeah. That was that was my, my I think my biggest like gripe was just like how much was on that. She, you know? she she kind of existed just to kind of get that, you know, I guess what I could kind of see as like the thesis statement of the movie when uh, she's at she's like talking to him about his dream and she's like, oh, yeah. And then what you went and uh, you you grabbed the hat and then it wasn't a hat and it turned into something fantastical and wonderful. And he was like, no, he's like, there's no point in like chasing hats, which I think <laughs> is like, I guess, metaphorically, maybe like tom's character and like maybe the thesis statement of the movie itself so it's like yeah and i guess her relationship kind of exists to like you know create the central conflict but i feel like we went like 40 minutes without seeing her and then she came back yeah and i was like that too. oh yeah i don't <laughs> i don't care about this one <laughs> You know, she has the scene where she puts the gun under his face and she's like oh mm-hmm. you killed my brother oh and then I feel like again you don't see her again until the funeral, and I was like, oh yeah, I guess that's kind of tidied up. But yeah, it didn't yeah. really do a whole lot for me. I mean, I thought her performance was fine, but yeah, yeah, nothing. Yeah, nothing against her in particular. I just yeah, yeah, the role wasn't. That Can we talk about the hat some more? Get a little deeper into that. Because there was that shot at the beginning, all the credits were rolling, of like the hat just kind of floating. This through. is exactly this is exactly why we needed Moose back on the shows to to, to do deep dive into into <laughs> the minutia like this. No, I'm all for it. Let's like what like what uh what a happy, boot it. Happy to be back, boys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I feel like we can't talk about this movie without talking about the hat. Because then the very first thing is he lost his hat gambling. Actually, that's the second thing. The yeah, first that thing is, is, is that Leo is true. being a badass. Yeah. The, and, and like the sort of the end, I feel like is like a reinforcement of that. Where I guess my interpretation of like the, the whole idea is like, I don't chase after hats is like, he's done like he's he's like got himself out of hot water and essentially gotten out of it 
scot-free and i saw a hat as like referring to another person like oh yeah that, there's another hat like as a guy mm. and he's like i don't chase hats anymore or like mm. so he's like he's he doesn't chase after people he's kind of like this isolated guy who doesn't really connect with anybody a lone wolf sort of yeah yeah, yeah and obviously yeah it's like cutting out both Marcia Gay Harden's character and Albert Finney's character at the end. Maybe he, and it's just him trying to like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like is his idea that he's, cause now he's not in with either of the, the gangs. Is he going right. to like move to another city and try to work his way in there? Is he just going to, is he going to go straight or? Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> like he paid off his, that, that is, <laughs> That is a very funny interpretation that all of the violence and the bloodshed and the death was just so he could pay off a gambling debt. Yeah. <laughs> mm. And then he immediately gets the money and he's like, I'd like to place a bet. Like he's going to put, yeah. put all the money he just got that would like, you know, even him out and he's going to bet it all over again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but this one's a sure thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, that scene when when the Dane dies, I thought there was some really interesting bordering on a weird cinematography. Yes, yes. I forgot to write <laughs> that down, but yeah. It's like really so strange. The the wrestler guy is just screaming. I don't know, is it because he's afraid of the Dane? I don't know what his deal is. But he's still screaming after he's dead. Unless I, I don't know. Is he supposed to be like mentally handicapped or something? No, because he. I, t- I mean, he talks to maybe, maybe, or like concussed impaired, a few times. Concussed or traumatized, maybe. Because because Tom talks to him like a couple scenes earlier, and he's just like, he's yeah, he's you know like, normal. Yeah, yeah. Talking. <laughs> I think I, I think maybe the Dane you know put the fear of God in him or something yeah. like that. But there's like oh there's like a couple really weird like quick almost like Evil Dead cam like mm. movements mm-hmm. on to like uh, casper and then it goes to like someone else and then uh, yeah just really interesting really yeah. weird weird cinematography for that scene <laughs> strange yeah and i thought the yeah. dane's death was kind of kind of a letdown i wanted him to go out in a more badass fashion i guess i i have to disagree okay beat in the fucking face with a shovel <laughs> yeah like that's that's a badass way to murder somebody yeah i guess i wanted i wanted him to be able i wanted it to i don't know i guess i wanted it to be more uh more fair i feel like you kind of oh yeah that was you kind of you kind of sucker shot. punched him with like a, yeah. a fireplace shovel <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i can yeah i i think i was okay with i i like it like that's something I like about that's kind of another Coen Brothers thing is just like very abrupt, brutal kills, yeah. just kind of like out of nowhere. So you know, I thought that that played into their their fashion very yeah. very well. So I I kind of liked it. I was I was okay with it. And then he and then you don't even see uh, Casper die. You just see his face like <laughs> <laughs> on a support post or whatever. I, I like that, like, John Turturro, <laughs> like, telegraphs his own death, because when he, like, goes to Gabriel Burns' apartment earlier, he's like, 
he's like, oh, I know you're not going to shoot me. He's like, you know, even if you did, I'd get down on my knees and I'd plead and you'd let me go again. And then he like does that at the end, <laughs> and he still yeah. shoots him. Yeah, yeah. So that's like, one thing that I didn't understand is what? why why he didn't shoot Bernie in the first place, and then why he shot Bernie the second time. I think he just didn't do it in the first place because he like you know because of his relation to the to to Verna or whatever he's like he still had some heart i you guess think it at was that about point. i think it's that and also like i don't know does was he a killer or was he just kind of like a yeah, like so i don't know if he had like his job had he actually no. like killed people I think, for the for the mob bosses i think his that? role was kind of being or was he just kind of you know the muscle I think he was like a left hand to Leo, try, but kind of like an advisor, sort of like someone yeah. to bounce ideas off of. Whisper in his and ear kind of a deal. I, I think, you know, the very first, you know, lines of dialogue we get in the movie, although they're from Casper, uh, Tom agrees with Casper, I think, in like mm-hmm. wanting to get rid of Bernie. And Casper is talking oh, about ethics. Okay. Yes, and I think ethics. that, that okay. resonates with Tom. And I think... Even though he is part of organized crime, I think Tom's character is like, he's like kind of an ethical person. And I think that's why he spares Bernie. One, because of his relationship with Verna, but also I think he, you know, sure, yeah, he kind of has yeah. a little bit of a heart. He's like, you know, this is, is shitty, which is ironic because... Yeah, it's not like very justified or whatever. It's just kind of yeah. like, yeah. It's, yeah. And it's, it's part a of a... Way to put it. Yeah. And then I think he he shows bernie this act of kindness and bernie immediately uses it to blackmail him mm-hmm. and he's just mm-hmm. like he's like yeah and you know if uh if you don't do this uh, i'm gonna start going out to dinner mm-hmm. just like yeah you know, th- basically threatening I, him like yeah I'm, i'll go back out and prove that you didn't kill me i lo- i love that i'm gonna start eating at restaurants because it it, yeah. mm-hmm. it sounds like some sort of like mobster like euphemism you know oh he's sleeping with the fishes but he's literally just saying like i'm gonna start eating at restaurants (laughs) (laughs) yeah so Uh, i I think i think when he ultimately does his his relationship with verna is pretty much trashed like the only person that bernie could rat him out to is gone which is funny because bernie's like He's like, oh, the the only guy that that uh, you know that would care is dead now, so we don't have anything over each other. Yeah. yeah, and he's just like, I think Tom just saw him as a parasitic worm. Mm-hmm. That he's like, you know what, you're gonna be know like he this. Do it again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I and I think it all it goes back into the the ethics thing. It could, it could just be that it could be the same line of thinking is like, I'm not gonna kill him because I don't think it's ethical or I don't think it's right at this part at this point. But at the end, he's like, okay, well, he he betrayed me and he blackmailed yeah. me. So now I have every right to kill him, you know, in my eyes. So, you know, it, did, it didn't seem super out of character. And I, I don't know if this is, I'm not saying that that's what you're saying. But, like, it didn't seem out of character in either moment, like, for him to not kill him and then for him to kill him. Like, it, so, like, it, he it made was ready sense. to kill him. It made sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's kind of at a he's definitely in a worse place at the end of the movie he's yeah he's in a darker place so he's like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna kill this piece of shit yeah and i think that's like a common thread in coen brothers movies where i think uh you know one of the criticisms is like a movie where nothing happens 
And I, and I think a lot of their movies, they don't have these character arcs that are like these huge changes in like, I'm a changed person and my outlook on the world is totally different. Mm. I think for a Coen Brothers movie, him kind of having a little bit of agency for himself and making his his ethical choice to put down Bernie is basically his character arc. I think that's kind of mm. where he's just like, okay, yeah. like I'm done. I'm done with this world now. Yeah. And the things that, that like, led up to that, that caused that change, were Bernie betraying him and him falling out with Verna. I think so. I yeah. suppose. And and just everything that like, kind of sh- strafing the Bernie blackmail, like caused him to do. Like he had to, like not kill. I you know he could tie it back to like, you know him almost getting killed by the Dane when they went out into the woods and. Like just having to kind of navigate all mm-hmm. of the shit that he had to go through in like yeah. the second half of the movie, he could tie it back to like you know this could have been resolved if I had just killed him, or like you know this would have been yeah. a lot simpler. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the humane choice isn't the isn't the right choice for me. You know. <laughs> yeah. So he had to learn how to be a little more selfish in the end. That's the real message of the movie. Yeah, I think maybe it is. Because, you know, we were talking about chasing hats and, like, trying to make things right for other people. Because, you know, he was, he was like, looking out for Leo at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, and then he was kind of looking out for Casper. For Bernie. Or, or Casper. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, and Bernie. I think it's, it's also part of his little mantra. Because I noticed that he says it twice. Where he says, nobody knows anybody. Not that well. Mm-hmm. And so I think at a moment's notice, he's like, yeah, anyone can betray me, but Bernie has already proven that he will. So, yeah. Yeah. Him learning to, to, to be selfish is, is kind of his deal. But then it, it's always, it's always hard for me with movies that have like really complicated plots because the characters are so smart and it's like, it's like a, it's like a chess game almost, you know. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And he like um, he sent Casper and Bernie both to his apartment at 4 a.m. or whatever. And <laughs> like, I I had a hard time being able to tell when when he was when Tom was like planning things out, like this is what I wanted the whole time, versus when he was just kind of improvising and, and like trying to make the best out of a bad situation. I think I think in that situation, I think whoever whoever survived, I think he was ready. I think he I don't know because it's like I think he could have kept. I don't know. I think either way, he would have had to have killed Casper because Bernie's still alive, and then Bernie yeah. killed Casper, which was like, uh, you know, a liability to him that Bernie mm-hmm. had leverage over. So either way, I think he was prepared to like, whoever survived, I'm taking them out. Right. Yeah. 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 I I really liked at the beginning like paying attention to the dialogue and like how they introduced it's characters good with movies, one, like, yeah. cuz they cause they they talked about like the whole cast of characters before they introduced them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so but every single conversation involved Bernie somehow, like was about Bernie, but we didn't uh-huh. meet Bernie until like 30 minutes into the movie. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really exciting. Like, oh, I can't wait. To I like it was it was a good reveal of him like sitting in the chair. And it's like they have that dialogue twice. He's like, oh, hello, Bernie. He's yeah, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, hope you don't mind. I like let myself in something mm-hmm. like that. It's like, I didn't think. You yeah. Mind. They kind of yeah. have that. Yeah. That, that same dialogue again. Yeah. I thought that was really well done. The introduction of the characters. And I, I'm really proud of myself for remembering all of their names. <laughs> because that's, yeah, they say that's Bernie enough. Really you better remember it. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's cool that a, a lot of the people in these movies eventually like just became mainstays in, in the Coen brothers uh, filmography. I like when like mm. directors use certain characters for different roles. Cause right after this is uh Barton Fink, which John Turturro was like the lead in, and then yeah, Steve Buscemi is in Fargo. It's yeah, it's just cool to see there. You know. I've seen Fargo. Yeah, Fargo's great. Oh, nice. Very different. Ah, oh, jeez. Yeah. Ah, oh, jeez. I also like um, which felt like of also very like Cohen Cohen Brothersy thing like even the, like some of, like the minor henchmen felt like they had a lot of character like the older mm-hmm. dude who like beats shit out of him and then the dude yeah. uh the dude <laughs> who I know from like Dumb and Dumber but he's the one who he's like okay yeah teach him a lesson and then it's just him in the room and then Gabriel Byrne like smashes his face with, with the, the chair, chair. He's like, Jesus Tom and he, like, <laughs> walks out and gets the gets the old guy to come beat him up. <laughs> That was yeah, bad. I was having expecting him to be like, <laughs> and he like walks away crying yeah. or something. Yeah. Oh, I that is fun. Like I did that. notice that because uh, is it in, a, in the Discord? A uh, friend of the pod, Chris, said, "Take a drink every time someone says Jesus, Tom." And then once yeah. he pointed that yeah. out, I noticed it every single time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Either that or what's the rumpus? What's the what rumpus? The rumpus? Oh, apparently Albert Finney was uh, one of the women in the, like the the powder room wherever he breaks into to talk to Verna. I guess Albert Finney was in drag. I don't know if it's like the one like when he walks in, he kind of like face plants into someone's chest. I think and like she screams. I don't know because yeah. I did notice one of like the the dancers or the artists or the whoever was in that little bathroom area did kind of have a uh, masculine frame, if you will. I think it mm. might have been Albert Finney. Mm. Interesting. Who's Leo? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll start. Sure. Um, uh, I went with six for this one. Um, just yeah, I I liked it. Uh, there was a lot of like like said a lot of like fun characters, a lot of Cohen isms. But it just it just didn't uh, I don't know if it like really reached any sort of emotional heights for me. Um, I was along for the ride and it was a fun ride. Um, but nothing, nothing super groundbreaking like some of the there are other ones that I like a lot. But um, I still enjoyed it. I still. Yeah. Like I said, still had a good time. I love seeing Gabriel Byrne in a lead role, too. He's a guy that I like to see. Great cast of characters. I just, like I said, I, I also a lot of it brought down by, like, I don't know, at least a third of it being devoted to the relationship that I just didn't care about. <laughs> yeah. that, that definitely, that definitely yeah. kind of brought down my my uh, overall opinion. But still, you know, it's it's not not bad by any means. Uh, if you're if you're a Coen Brothers fan, I would of course recommend it. I landed 
about a seven. That's kind of where I was at. Yeah, liked it. Liked it a good amount. Uh, liked all of the characters, as said. Uh, I mean, it's like their third movie, and I guess you can say it less about this one than like their earlier, earlier stuff. But like, you can see those, you know, early Cohenisms. Like, you know, stuff that would later define all their other stuff. So it's it's cool to see, like, earlier stuff that, you know, informs later stuff, I guess. Uh, yeah. Characters were great. Uh, yeah, their character actors are some of my favorites in, in any movies. Uh, you know, they use M. Emmett Walsh in Blood Simple. And that, that dude is one of my favorite guys that just shows up all over the place. Yeah. Uh, the delivery, the, like the snappy line deliveries, were great. Cinematography was like nothing, nothing really. It's it just seems very static. Very that might have hurt it too. I wonder, yeah. Because like they do have they don't a pretty have that Deacons factor. Yeah, yeah, Deacons <laughs> would help. Deacons. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was it was fun. Performances were pretty good. Seven. I'm also gonna give it a seven. I liked it a lot. It was it was a good okay. time, um, and. I, I, I just I really enjoyed the snappy dialogue. I really enjoyed the story. the The romance TJ was like, yeah, it wasn't compelling, but for me, it didn't like take away from the movie either. Mm. Um, I was a big fan of how comfortable all the characters were with violence. <laughs> like, you know, like you were talking about with when the guy got smacked with a chair, and then it was like, Jesus, Tom! Like that's his reaction. <laughs> And then the yeah. multiple times that uh, that Tom is in a building that's getting raided by the police, and then he walks out, and then t- has oh. a little chat with the pol- with the police chief. That's, I was gonna say that was one of my favorite like staging blocking scenes was when him and the police chief are, ca- are like carrying on a conversation as like shit is like tables are being overturned and there's guys <laughs> fighting and chasing. And there's like, yeah. oh yeah, how's it going? Oh, that's, I love that part. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, liked the good. symbolism with the hat. I love me some symbolism in a movie, even if I can't, even if I don't get it all the way, <laughs> <laughs> which is definitely the case for this for this movie. <laughs> I just tried not to think too hard about it because with art, that's how it is sometimes. You know? Don't go chasing oh. hats, whatever that means to you. Yeah, that's what, you know. Listen to the tailors and the. Th- threads that they used to i was doing the water don't don't go chasing i mean yeah, oh, TLC oh, don't go chasing yeah so this one's a seven nice so i don't know if when i have like a tag like you know so what have we been watching this week yeah so 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 what have we been watching this week? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. Uh I watched uh, I watched a few things. Uh I have Enchanted on the list, but I only put that on there because of the connection it has to a disaster movie. Oh. So, <laughs> because of the Enchanted Princess. Right. Uh but Chloe wanted to watch it the other night, so we did. And it was it was it was fun. It was a fun kind of Disney uh, princess movie that kind of uh, you know subverted some of the tropes that that genre mm. kind of has. Uh, was it Amy Adams? The yeah. the 
the the disaster movie actress who played like the enchanted princess was pretty spot on for <laughs> how Amy Adams acts in that movie. Just very, oh my god! And who are you? And what's going on? But it was fun. Is this it the was, one where like the princess like shows up in New York City? Yes. Yeah, that's the one. Okay. Yeah. I think the reason that she wanted to watch it was because we're watching Thirty Rock and uh, Prince Edward, who's played by James Marsden. James Marsden is like Liz's boyfriend later yeah. on in Thirty Rock, so she's like, "Oh, I really want to watch Enchanted." So we finally did that. <laughs> but it was it was fine. Uh, I guess some more current news: uh, Barry is back, and it's good. It's pretty much right where it's where it has been in terms of okay <laughs> quality it's it's fine uh i okay. think that they're gonna deal with the the circumstances that barry found himself at the end of season three how much of it have you watched if any moose i don't want to like... oh i don't know what you're talking about oh okay <laughs> it's <laughs> the it's the it's the hbo bill Hader show where he's like a hitman who joins oh, an acting yeah, I class saw, i saw i saw some commercials for that a while ago yeah it's pretty funny. I, th- I feel like you might like it, but the third season ended seemingly like, where do they go with it from here? Okay. Yeah. And I think where they've gone with it is, I don't know. It, it makes, it makes sense. Like, it, it seems like you're really trapped in a corner, but I feel like that show is pretty good at writing themselves into a corner and then finding a way out that it stays true to the show, but is also somewhat realistic. So that's kind of where yeah. it's at right now. But it's just funny that like my Sunday nights now have been taken by HBO because it's Succession and then Barry back to back. So it's like <laughs> we're staying up till almost midnight every night now. Mm. Um, and then Beef, have any of you guys watched that? No. You no. know what I'm talking about? No. I I, I do. Yeah, but I haven't it, watched it. Okay, we watched. I mean, we watched the first episode last night, so we're not like super far into it. Okay. Uh, it is. It's the new show with Ali Wong and Stephen Yuen, who I feel like is having something of a Stephen Yuenessance lately. I feel like he's <laughs> okay. he's. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like he was in he was in Nope, and I feel like he was in one other prominent thing lately, and now he is like one of those guys that everyone is just like, oh my god, I love this guy. He was in he's, The Walking he's Dead. He's been in right? stuff for a while. I would say no. I would say like he. Pretty much since he left The Walking Dead. Yeah. I mean, he's usually in at least something every yeah. year that I watch. That yeah, I like he was just other. one of those guys that, like, wasn't really on my radar. And then now he's, like, decidedly on my radar. And I was like, where mm-hmm. did he come from? Yeah. But uh, it, the premise of the show, it's, like, basically uh, a road rage incident. Kind of has these two characters beefing with each other. Where, oh, I see. That's you know, the he name gets the show. There, and there's more to it. Like it goes into their personal lives that kind of, you know, shapes how they react to the world around them and how they, what what makes them like these volatile people. It the thing the thing that I'm not super jazzed about, and I feel like it's like a newer thing, but it it's written like a Netflix show, if that makes sense. There's a certain writing style that feels very modern i don't know how to describe it other than like i don't know it just seems like a lot of like the the streaming service shows kind of kind of do this thing i don't 
I feel like an insane person, but there's like a certain way that they write dialogue where it's not it's it's better than just exposition dumps, but only just better. But the the action and like the kind of inciting incident and where the first episode leaves off definitely wants I, I wanna see where it goes. But just that okay. few there's just something about the dialogue and the writing that I'm like not extremely jazzed about, but the other stuff is interesting and fun enough that uh I'm gonna keep coming back for more beef. So watch this space. We can talk about the prestige, like when it comes up in the cup, I guess. Okay. I will just say I might have some hot takes about that movie. Hmm. Okay. I look forward to it. The rose colored glasses might be off a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Then I I'll just say I watched uh so I watched In the Mouth of Madness first, um and then I was like I don't know doing the regular Wikipedia dive after it and I was like and I and I think I'd read this before but I saw that John Carpenter's like oh this is the last movie in what he calls his apocalypse trilogy, uh the first of which being the thing, and then the oh. second uh being prince of darkness and i was like oh well i guess i gotta watch prince of darkness now just to to wrap it up and it's only like it's in the so it's a trilogy in the sense of like the, all three of those movies have this like ever present sense of dread in them and also all kind of end on like you know the beginnings of the apocalypse pretty much there is that more or less in different flavors you know with the thing it's ambiguous i guess Prince of yeah. Darkness, it's kind of ambiguous. In the Mouth of Madness, it's not very ambiguous. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, then I just kind of was like, oh, I, I kind of want to just like, I'm I'm in a John Carpenter mood, and I killed it by watching Ghosts of Mars next. <laughs> Ghosts of Mars <laughs> fucking sucks. It's like <laughs> it is like almost akin to like Alone in the Dark. Like it is oh, very very man. fucking bad. Just by somebody who is like you know a competent director so it's like Who not knows as better. messy and like <laughs> the action is like at least somewhat fun but it was fucking garbage i think i think i'll go back into it just like looking at all of the john carpenter movies i haven't watched yet i'm like man there's there's still so many that are just so interesting so i think that's that's maybe kind of like a, a side uh goal that i that i'm setting for myself uh is, to, is just to like watch the rest of his filmography uh, because I had Prince of Darkness and In the Mouth of Madness were both great. Um, I especially loved In the Mouth of Madness. It's it's a an H.P. Lovecraft adjacent. It's not based directly on one, but it is very H.P. Lovecraft inspired. There's an H.P. Lovecraft book called At the Mountains of Madness. Um, oh. So there's even like a, a sort of parallel there. But it's like Sam Neill plays this uh, like private investigator who's hired by this firm to go find their the author who's like he's basically like Stephen King his name is Sutter Kane uh and he's like the world's like (laughs) best-selling author he writes horror novels and everything and he goes missing after writing his most recent book uh in the mouth of madness but he hasn't like sent it to the publisher so the publisher's like yeah we need you to go find him so we can get the book and we can you know put it on the market so we can sell it and there's all this like you hear all this chatter of like, oh, people who read Sutter Kane, like people with like who aren't as like strong mentally, like go insane after reading his books and stuff. And and, you know, they go to they try to go find him and they 
end up in this weird town that's like based on it's called Hobbs End and it's like where it's basically Sutter Kane's version of Derry which is like Stephen oh. King's just like it's his town that's in like all of his stories or it's yeah. like probably more appropriate is like it's like H.P. Lovecraft's like Dunwich or Innsmouth which are like his towns that are in stuff yeah. or like Arkham or whatever um, and there's even like references there's there's an innkeeper and her and she has the last name pikmin and there's a hp lovecraft story called pikmin's model and pikmin is kind of a it's a it's a surname that you hear in a lot of his stories there's a lot of like cool little subtle references if you're familiar with hp lovecraft stories um and i kind of think it's like the best version or the best way to do like i I don't know i've never seen hp lovecraft is one of those guys that i think is really kind of impossible to do justice on the screen and so i think this kind of roundabout way that john carpenter did it where it's like not exactly an adaptation it's like it's its own thing but it's able to like kind of pay homage and kind of parallel what it'd be like because a lot of hp lovecraft stories are about people like oh i'm going to investigate this thing and i'm going to this this weird town and there's all these weird residents and i'm losing my mind and it's like basically giving yourself over to this insanity and these existential like otherworldly horrors yeah. of like you know the elder things and, and stuff and they don't use the word elder things but i call i think they call them like the old ones in this oh, um okay and yeah it's, it's just it's really well done the the way that uh, and I guess I, it's not really a spoiler because the movie opens with Sam Neill in an insane asylum <laughs> after the events of the movie. He has gone insane. He's, he's like drawing crosses all over his face and mm. stuff like that. And Hell yeah. So the movie is him uh, retelling his story to a psychiatrist who's like interviewing him. Um, basically, after this like series of catastrophic events have happened, but you don't know exactly what. And then, like, the end of the movie comes and it's like, oh, it's it's the end of the world, pretty much, like, because <laughs> everything that kind of goes on here. Uh, but, yeah, it fucking ruled. I really, really loved it. It's, like, a unsung classic. Like, I think it should be mentioned up there with, like, They Live, Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, like, okay. It's, wow. it's, it's, a, it's a great, as far as, like, you know, John John Carpenter's filmography, I, I think it's, it's fucking awesome. And then Prince of Darkness, um, not quite as much but it was still really fun a lot of like really disturbing imagery uh like genuinely like really like fucked up stuff uh alice cooper plays like a a mute homeless guy who like murders people (laughs) Um, awesome (laughs) uh donald pleasance isn't it he's a uh loomis from halloween so he's he comes Mm. back uh and yeah that one's more of like a kind of typical like almost zombie-esque movie it's like it's really it's a really weird concept it's basically satan is uh they like they they have this vial of goo in the basement of this monastery and it turns out that the goo is like the embodiment of satan and it starts like uh like infecting people and turning them into like zombie satan zombies or whatever (laughs) and so it's really silly but uh it's good there's some yeah just two like classic carpenter flicks they're they're really really fun stuff yeah i need to get like one of those arrow academy or shout factory whatever like john carpenter box sets because i have i have i've seen i've seen escape from new york the thing 
they live and Halloween. And that's that's really it. You said Big so, Trouble in Little China too, right? Did Big Trouble, yes. One? Yeah, I've seen Big Trouble in Little China. So I guess I've seen like the big ones. The ones yeah. that will draw crowds to theaters. You know, they're they're showing they live at wealthy. By the time this comes out yesterday? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't I don't know when. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the you know they sh- they show the big ones. But yeah, I- I've heard of you know in the Mouth of Madness and Prince of Darkness. So yeah, I got to look into those. Yeah, the uh, of Mars. Yeah, not so much that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I forgot to mention t- uh, in Prince of Darkness, it has a couple of the guys from Big Trouble in Little China. It has uh, Egg, the like older guy. Who, he kind of like he has like one squinty eye. That's just like that okay. guy. Um, okay, and then okay. Wang, he's like he's like the sidekick kind of character. Mm. Okay, um, I got you. They're they're both in Prince of Darkness. That's nice. it. Those those are, those are my I guess my highlights outside of Miller's Crossing for this week. So nice. Uh, I mentioned the cabin at the end of the world, and then like the M Night Shyamalan movie. I'm reading another book that is a movie. I'm about a hundred pages into uh, American Psycho. Oh, cool. Have you read that book? No, no, I haven't. It is wild. Yeah. It's cuz if you know anything about the movie, it's it's about this like sociopathic Wall Street like very yuppie uh Wall Street guy. But oh, he has okay. like this this like okay. dark I was thinking murderous American beauty. But that's a different Yeah. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh but this one he's played by uh Jesus, why can't I think of his name? Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Who's like Batman in the 2000s? Yeah, I know Batman. Christian Bale is. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was reading your face and I was like, you know who this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the book is, it's like, it's from his perspective. And I'm only 100 pages in, so I kind of know where it's going based on like the really famous scenes I've seen of the movie. Sure. Uh but the narrative is so funny where <laughs> every character that he encounters, he describes every aspect of their clothing. Like hmm. he's wearing an Armani tie with a, with a Gucci, <laughs> Gucci shoes, like double breasted, you know, sport coat with wool. Like he is so obsessed with like consumer culture where like there's like two pages dedicated to like his skincare routine, and it's just like <laughs> it's like showing it, it it it's almost like uh I guess the other thing is like Fight Club where it's like he's he, everything in his his apartment is perfectly placed in IKEA. It's very like sterile. It's, it's, but yeah. it's very like trust me. And this is this is a hilarious reference if you're familiar with uh you know ancient Greek plays. Um, but it's it's probably like the equivalent of the what is it the naming of the ships section from the Iliad. There there's like an entire <laughs> chapter of the Iliad that is literally like, and from Menelaus's army came seven uh, uh, ships yes. filled with fourteen men and oh, six rowers and da, and then and then from this person's army. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. We and didn't I have think, to read that part in eighth grade. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, I feel like part. I should read this. Like, I feel like this should be important. But then you get done reading it, and you're like, it's actually not that important, I guess. Yeah, but but another aspect about that, which which I think makes the book so funny, is that they're constantly is that so and so? Oh no, that's 
that's the other guy. And I think it's because they all wear the same types of clothing and wear the same shoes and belts and ties and loafers and glasses where like they're constantly mistaking other dudes for other people that they know because they all wear the exact same shit. But the way that he differentiates all of it by saying, oh, this one's double breasted. Oh, this one's like six buttons. It's, mm-hmm. you know, obviously like the famous business card scene. But I think yeah. what was making me laugh earlier is just like the way he'll switch from like describing someone's suit to then like describing in detail like pornography that he watched. Oh my God. And then he'll be like, and then, oh, I have to go home and buy the new Talking Head CD from Tower Records. Like he, <laughs> but he knows like the names of all of the consumer brands. So yeah, I'm only 100 pages in, and I, I think there's like some really really graphic violence coming up. But uh, I'm doing my own little book club where I'm, I guess, re- reading books, and then I want to watch the movies. But American Psycho, 100 pages in, pretty interesting. Yeah, I Brett Easton Ellis is is a, an author that um, I wanted to. To check out i guess mostly for that but he's also did uh less than zero is another one that i want to read oh okay uh he said he said quite a few like adapted into movies the yeah yeah attraction is another one of his too this and yeah and of course yeah american psycho is supposed to be interesting <laughs> <laughs> okay uh well next week's movie i already pulled it because i thought we were done <laughs> yeah um <laughs> uh <clears throat> next week's movie uh, is from 2002, directed by Steve Odekirk, Kung Pao, Enter the Fist. This will be interesting. <laughs> I think, because this is actually a Travis edition, and he wasn't sure. And honestly, I don't know. If it's, in my eyes, it's a normal cup movie, but in your guys' eyes, it might be a dud cup movie. We'll see. But that's okay. Oh, okay. Not every movie in the normal cup is going to be a good movie. You know, so we'll see. I, and yeah. I haven't seen this movie in years, so it's I'm, been a I'm while. personally interested to see how well I think this holds up. From memory, it's a masterpiece, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, we shall see. Uh, so if you don't want to be spoiled for Kung Pao Enter the Fist, uh, it is on, It's I've just seen it for rent, but it's for rent on a lot of stuff. Uh, Google Play. Amazon Prime, YouTube, Redbox, Voodoo. Uh, so go watch it at one of those before next week's episode. Um, these episodes come out every Wednesday at 7 p.m. EST on YouTube in video form, as well as uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more in audio form. Uh, we also have social pages on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. Uh and with all that said, uh I am your I'm a I'm a fuck, what does he say? I'm a I'm nobody. Look into your heart. What does he say? He says it like <laughs> a million fucking times. <laughs> I'm uh I'm your weaselly little uh, Ber- Bernie Bum Bum, uh, <laughs> TJ, aka J. Oh, I'm praying to you. Look in your heart. 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 Uh, there we go. TJ, aka J. Spot Jack Cheese, and with me as always. Uh, as always, nuts. Yeah. <laughs> aka 
Nick, a.k.a. Dr. Funk on Twitch. And with me, as always... I'm What's the Rumpus. Whatever's going on, that's me. What uh, is Moose, the Rumpus? A.k.a. Tommy. Uh, I'll get out of here. I don't know. <laughs> get out of here, toots. <laughs>